camper vans and station wagons from as far away as Washington, D.C., to the east, and San Francisco to the west, rumbled along the green highways of Brown County in southern Indiana to the Bean Blossom Festival, one of the nation's marquee gatherings of bluegrass music talent. It was late spring of 1971, the fourth anniversary of the festival, and the travelers anticipated performances by young innovators, such as the Bluegrass Alliance from Louisville, Kentucky, and the popular banjoist and songwriter John Hartford, along with stars from the so-called Golden Era, such as Jim and Jesse McReynolds and the Goins Brothers, who emerged in the early 1950s. If the audience seemed geographically diverse, the stylistic array of artists at the Fifth Festival was truly stunning, wrote Bean Blossom biographer Thomas A. Adler. Entering a wonderland of mesmerizing jazz sessions and Technicolor tour buses owned by the legends of bluegrass, the fans rushed to the main stage, set in a grove of straight and tall trees, looking out for fellow music lovers from previous visits, many of them bluegrass aficionados who contributed essays to fan publications and maintained discographies of old-time music. Pilgrims with Nixon bumper stickers and those who identified with the ethos of Woodstock and the counterculture bonded over their love of organically grown music and the sovereign of bluegrass, Bill Monroe, who owned the festival. Born in Rosine, Kentucky in 1911, Monroe and his band, the Bluegrass Boys, had first come to this area outside of Indianapolis in 1951 to play the Brown County Jamboree, a family-owned music park. So enamored was Monroe of the Jamboree grounds and the dedicated fans who flocked there that he bought the venue in 1952 staging his first Bean Blossom Festival in 1967. With the help of his older brother Birch and his son James, musicians in their own right, he cared for the festival grounds with single-mindedness, cleaning up debris from the previous winter storms and repairing various buildings on the campus in preparation for the festival season. Proud like a grandfather, Monroe welcomed Bean Blossom visitors, many of whom had come expressly to see him. He engaged them in conversation and, to the lucky few, showed off the farm animals he raised on the property. Only the bluegrass boys felt the sting that he was better known for inside the country music industry, as they were pressed into service at the festival grounds to cut back brush and stock the concession stand when they converged on southern Indiana. Monroe kept draft horses at Bean Blossom that were like children to him, recalls mandolinist Ron Thomason, who served in Ralph Stanley's Clinch Mountain Boys for a year, starting in the spring of 1970. When one of the horses died, the old man wept, he says, and he was determined that that horse wasn't going to go to his grave in a front loader on a tractor. He and Birch and Ralph and me, maybe 40 of us together that day, managed to dig a grave for that horse. Monroe insisted on dragging it over to the grave. It wasn't far, maybe 20 feet. This was probably a 1,500-pound horse, and it was amazing how he felt about it. A suspicious man treated like an outsider in his own family during childhood, Monroe wandered the eastern half of the nation in the early days of commercial country music, first with his brother Charlie as the Monroe Brothers, and then with his band of underpaid musicians many of whom cycled through his employ like drivers at a busy toll booth, especially during the lean years of the late 1950s when rock and roll nearly killed country music. 